There are a lot of things that people are afraid of that I don't really get, like arachnophobia I've never understood. You know, th- there's a lot of things like that where where <laughs> I'm just like, what what is it? But but reaching into holes I knew you were going and there. not knowing Dude. what's on the other side of that. Okay, all caps. <laughs> For the part you're referring to right now, my note on there, oh my gosh, this is the scariest thing ever. We're fighting Welcome back to the State of the Ark podcast. My name is Mike. My name is Kason. This is episode two of our Silent Hill 2 analysis. Today we'll actually be getting started with the game itself, with the story. So Very exciting. Opens yeah. up with our main protagonist, James. Yep. Looking at himself in a mirror. This is significant. I think we kind of touched on this. Did we touch on we this? We did, but not enough. We definitely got to talk about this more. <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> I love it. So we see a man looking at himself in front of a mirror. The mirror is dirty. In fact, the whole room is filthy. Yes. Uh, but mirrors show us our true selves. At least that's what we think. The lighting is such that we cannot see his eyes, right? They're just dark pits. It's almost as if he's lifeless. Mm. And he's touching his face too in this really weird way. It didn't seem like he was wiping away sweat or anything it just se- it seemed to me like he was touching himself to see that he exists. Mm. Like to, to make sure that he's like real. That's what it seemed like to me. Yeah. But when you look at when you look into dark when you look into your own eyes and you see darkness, <laughs> you're you're not seeing your true self. It's obscured. There's a shadow there mm. that's yep. preventing you from actually seeing your true self. That's why I say the mirror won't show him the actual truth. There's something blocking it. There's, right. there's something there. Right. Very good. Um, I, I think, like, well, I, maybe we should start off by saying that in this episode, well, depending on how we break this up, it's really hard sometimes to, to, to determine, like, how far to play and how long we're going to talk we about don't certain know. things and things like that. Oh, gosh. What we do know at this moment of recording this so is that <laughs> Kaysen has played up to the point where you're being chased through the hallways by Pyramid Head. By Pyramid Head. Into an elevator and, and Maria. And something happens. The, the door gets stuck and Maria's <laughs> trying to get in. Yeah. So I'll just say that. That's the That'll point. That'll probably be the end of episode three. The furthest that we have played up to at this moment of recording in which we'll yeah. probably do two episodes. So we'll kind of break. I, I would say it's about halfway-ish through the game. So Okay, yeah. You'll see. It'll be in that pinned comment, like we'll where we're know. gonna talk up to for this episode. But um, I think we can say without any sort of fear of spoilers, uh, because we also talked about this in um, the dev history section that uh, this game, uh, maybe unlike Silent Hill One a little bit, uh, is more about looking at the self so it's this is basically a prelude to what this game is going to be doing which is it's not so much like like i don't want to like spoil silent hill one either but there's more Mm. supernatural elements to that game in one yes oh okay um and in this one they wanted to really shift it to more of a psychological focus on the main character so this game will be about looking inside of james's psyche um, all the monsters are designed to be, you know, sort of like a, 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 he's he's being reflected in the world, as they said. Right? Yes, and so, um, he is projecting. Yes, he is projecting himself, aspects of himself, parts of his 
unconscious in, into into the world. What exactly is? I hate to use the word real because what does that even mean? <laughs> I'll say it and hope that everyone knows what I'm talking about. What exactly is real and not real? I have still not yet figured out. Yeah. I don't know what is and is not real even still. And I don't know that they want me to know that, but I'm trying to find it out. Yeah. I mean, some of it's going to be intentionally ambiguous. Yeah. Um, some of it will be more obvious to you very soon. Yeah. Um, I mean, like really soon in terms of where you played up to. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of it is is kind of more debatable. So, okay. I mean, we'll talk about all that and discuss it and get to it. But um, it is significant. I just want to say that the, the, the literal opening shot of the game is James looking yes. himself in the mirror. That's basically what what he is doing in in the story. He's looking at himself in the mirror really hard. Yeah. That's like a, just a short like preamble of like what he's about to do. Which is really cool. I, I think it. that's a really nice piece of symbolism to open oh, I the story think so. on. Yeah, I think yeah. so. And the lighting, the the cinematography, it's really well done. The way the camera's kind of slowly rotating and moving and the, the light, everything about it. Like the it, like the dirty bathroom, the set design, it's all amazing. And yeah. um, everything's working together to tell us that things things are just off. Things are wrong. Things aren't yeah. as they seem. Yeah. Right? So that we get a very unsettling feeling. Like something's wrong. Right. And so James has come to the town, to Silent Hill, because he received a letter from his deceased wife, Mary. Now, according to him, she died three years ago. Uh, He's receiving a letter from her now asking him to meet her in their special place in Silent Hill. I have some notes here. We're a little bit um, going a little faster than I was. (laughs) Already? (laughs) Okay. Already. So I got... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. Okay. So, all right. He's like trying to, you know, he's doing breathing exercises while he's in the bathroom. Um, I've got this like internal monologue thought. He says, Mary, could you really be in this town? Right. Yes. That's like the question he asks. Um, on the wall in the bathroom, there's some inscriptions. There's some graffiti mm. and then some Hebrew writings. It's actually in Hebrew. Hmm. So, um, some people online said that this these words represent Lilith. Some, people haven't actually still translated this yet because it's not like, I don't think it's well written Hebrew. It's just Hebrew characters. Just characters kind of and randomly. And kind of random words and things yeah. kind of thrown out there. Uh, so some people say it's similar to an image of Lilith, um, the, but the words themselves can have several interpretations and none of them make sense to me, but here are a few of the words that are thrown out there. There's a bunch of names for God that are on there. You have Adonai, Al Shaddai, and so forth, right? So I don't know what it's saying, but it's religious. <laughs> That's yeah. probably the best thing to get out of that. It's a reference to God. There is a, a drawing of a woman-ish, like not very well drawn, uh, and then some Hebrew letters. And so I don't know. That's fascinating. Um, yeah, I'm going to save commenting on that for now. Okay. Okay. Perfectly but, but fine. But there is, there is something I think that I can draw upon from the end of the game. For okay. That. So now we've got the the part you were getting at. In my restless dreams, I see that town, a town that is seen, a, a town that is seen in restless dreams. I didn't end the question mark. The question mark I should have. Oh. So what is a restless dream, right? Mm-hmm. A dream is what is seen when partially awake, right. right? So he talks about in my restless dreams, meaning like kind of lucid moments, you know. Um, the Japanese says, uh, 
in my vague or ambiguous sleep, I dream of that town. So this mm. makes me think it's almost like a waking dream, a dream that seems so real, it's not clear that it's actually a dream. Almost like seeing a dream while you're awake. There's something about this whole game, I- including the vocal performances, the, the yes. acting, yes. that feels <laughs> dreamlike in the same yes. way as something like Twin Peaks, which, like is, Twin Peaks. which was an inspiration. Twin Peaks yeah. was du- a direct inspiration for this game. So um, anyways, I'll get to that later. But I mean, the fact okay. that y- you know, you've read the Japanese there and it, it, it's meant to kind of feel dreamlike, I guess. Right. Yeah, right. So, so we we never took her back to the place that she saw in her own restless dreams, which is interesting, but very confusing. Uh, the Japanese says something like, I'm waiting for you to come someday, but you won't. So in the English version, it says that we never took her to the place. But in Japanese, it says that she's there waiting, but we're not coming, hmm. more or less. Yeah. So that's fascinating, right? Yeah. Um, the name Mary right. means bitter. It means beloved. It means a couple things, but it's, of course, um, two things, I think, relevant for this game. It's Mary, the mother of Christ. That's at least part of it. But Mary, as the mother of Christ, is also the name of one of the four stages of the anima right. um, in Carl Jung's psychology. So that's where... Oh, and then you also mentioned, wasn't it, was it uh, one of the victims of Jack the Ripper? Yes. Was Mary? Yes. Is that right? Okay, yeah. Yes. And that, that was also part of where they drew on the name. So, yeah, right. yeah there's a few... There's a few points here. Now, you said something. What did you say about... There's a quote. You read a specific quote. Um, regarding, like... The mem- or uh, the special place, right? Oh, yeah. The, the, she, this is, uh, she's saying yes. that, that there's special place in Silent Hills where... Says, meet me in my special place. Yeah. But once again, and I don't do this much. I'm only doing this at the beginning right now. The Japanese doesn't say that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Now, this game's fascinating because I looked into it a little bit. Um, the... Uh, how would you put it? The game, I don't, there is no Japanese voice version of the game. It was always made with the intent of being voiced by American English. English characters. Yeah. Huh. And but the, so it's just subtitled in Japanese. Yes, it was subtitled in Japanese okay. with English voices. Um, and uh, the signs, everything, it's always in English. The whole game was meant to be done completely in English, yeah. except here's some Japanese subtitles for the Japanese players. So it's kind of a little bit backwards from from how you would normally expect. That being said, I still think the original script being written in Japanese is important. Sure. Um, so she doesn't say, meet me in our special place. She says our memorable place. Mm. Now, within the Japanese, there might be some leeway here, but um, you get something along the lines of um, a place in their memories, right? Meet me at a place yes. in our memories. That that's actually, where she is. Yes, that's that actually is a, it's better. It's way better. It's better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Having played the game a little bit, that's way better. Um, but anyways, um, the I'm only picking apart the Japanese at the very beginning here, partly because I didn't really look into the Japanese <laughs> for everything else, but something felt off. I was like, special place. Like this whole game feels weird. And I feel like the writing... Um, is I'm trying to learn more than the game wants to reveal to me at the moment. But yeah. at the very beginning, I'm like trying to piece everything together. I got my analytical mind on. I'm thinking, okay, what is this? What is this? So I look up the Japanese and I'm like, okay, there you go. Special place. It means something a little bit more specific. It's referring to memories. Yeah. So that's kind of crazy. Yes, <laughs> it, it is. I think I do think it's better. It, I do wonder though, if it would feel natural, I guess. Meet me in... in a memorable place. A memorable place. Do we have a I word for that? I think you could that? probably get away with saying something like, meet me at that place. 
like yeah, more that ambiguous place. that way. And he, he tries so to figure out like, what do you mean by that place? Now, but now what she means, and she would assume yeah. that he means, is that place in their memory. They're right. In English, maybe, but, and that's a hard thing to translate because you don't it really is. say, it meet is. me in our memorable place. Well, you English. don't. You don't. So. But but you in the English, you, lure, you lose the word memory. Yeah. You lose the- Which is important. It's important to kind of, and it's something that most people probably would miss upon their initial playthrough. But sure. like, and as I mentioned before, this is not like I'm playing this game for the first time. But this game has been around for a while, and it's entered into the uh, the collective, you know, imaginations, <laughs> unconscious, if you will, of of uh, the video game community. And so I am quite aware of the game, you know. Like right. uh, we go to Comic Con and stuff, and I see people dressed as Pyramid Head, and I'm like, yeah, I know what that's from. <laughs> sure. So it's not like I'm completely. I know nothing about the game. So I'm definitely aware of like the psychological stuff. So I'm looking at it with those glasses on. So sure. So he's he doesn't know what where she could yeah, be talking about. It could doesn't. be any number of places. The whole town was yeah. a special place for them, right? Um, and so he said, "Well, you mean down there by the lake? Like maybe I'll go there first by the lake." Oh, this is so good. Yes. Yeah. So um, he says, "We we once spent a whole day staring at water." Yes. <laughs> once again, right? Like what is what what does water symbolize? It symbolizes the unconscious. Honestly, sure. it does. It's the depths, it's the hidden murky. You don't know what's down there, but it's, you know, like an iceberg. You've got your water, you've got the 10% above, and then you've got the 90% below the water, right? Water in general, most of the time, and this probably comes from Freud's interpretation of dreams, um water symbolizes just like the the repressed or the the unconscious mind. Right, yeah. for the most part. Right. So they spent a whole day looking at water. I, have you ever done that with uh, any of your significant others? <laughs> no, not all day. <laughs> <laughs> not all day. Not, not even day. very long, really. Yeah. You spend all day looking at water, right? There's reflection in water, but it's a distorted reflection, right? Mm. There's uh, like you're just look, contemplating the water. I don't know. That's like contemplating the mysteries of your own psyche, right? Yeah. That's just an interesting thing to do. So I really love that. Um, so he begins walking down there. Yeah. Toward. Oh, and you see the sign too. It says yes. Lake uh, Toluca. Yeah. Lake now I did mention this previously, but just a refresher. Toluca means the oh the hill, right? Oh, it's a place in California. There's a word. Yes. Um, it means Tolo and the place, the place of Tolo. Uh, but also uh, Tolupetl is a place near Tolo in Mexico, and it's called the Hill of God. That's what it is. Or the Hill mm. of the God Tol- Tolu, that specific god. I have looked up so many different places, the Aztec God Tolo, and I cannot on Google, which is probably my first problem. I need to go to a library or something. Yeah. But, um, I cannot find anything about Tolo, but I feel like that could reveal a lot about this game. Sure. So anyways. So he's he's walking down toward the toward the lake and this is kind of the first time where you start to hear or something is not not right like yeah i think we mentioned this as part of the developer quotes in the last oh, episode with the fog but, and um yeah but you hear sounds in the woods oh uh, yeah yeah and this game is not like well maybe even it's sort of direct contemporary in like resident evil or something right uh. um this is a oh, much right, more right. of like a slow burn. There's not going to be a lot of like actual jump scares Jumps, or yeah. anything like that. The monsters are kind of few and far between. Not far between, but there's just not that many. You're not like fighting all the time. Right, right. This game is a lot more about setting a 
a tone and like building slowly the on tension, that as right. it goes, right? Yeah. And so they they kind of really start that here. It's kind of a long path, just <clears throat> yeah, walking really down, and you just keep hearing sounds in the woods. And as I mentioned before, arrive. part of what makes it feel so long is that you don't know when it's going to be over. Right. And so you can't see very far because of the fog. And so it just takes, as far as you can tell, you know, it takes a lot longer. Yeah. It feels long. Um, and again, this was the part that they mentioned in the quotes that we read last time that they made intentionally long, you know, to, to sort of like give you this sense of isolation for the character as he's entering, uh, entering the graveyard. So yep. when he gets there, uh, the first character we meet oh, is yeah. Angela. Angela. Did um, you know that we've already skipped a whole... <laughs> <laughs> There's more? A whole page of notes. <laughs> a whole page? It's not quite a whole page. <laughs> it, it's a whole page of things that I... It is a whole page, but it's um, mostly stuff. It's setting stuff. It's like mm -hmm. early, early setting stuff. But I feel like it's important. Okay. So before we get to Angela... I've got some things to read, all right? Because I went through Mary, the etymology of the word Mary, what is what the name Mary means. We have not yet talked about James Sunderland and what that name means. Oh, okay. So our main character's name is James Sunderland. Um, James, I, I don't know if you knew this. I only learned this probably like last year. James and Jacob are the same name. Like... Jacob like from is, the same is Hebrew origin. Yeah, the same. Well, no. Yeah, well, same origin, and they mean the same thing. They oh, both, they they mean they literally mean the same thing. They are. It's so James is Latin uh, for the Hebrew Jacob. Gotcha. And I don't know other than the, the J, and we even because Jacob Y K B and then J M S. It's like okay, I don't know how yeah. that happened, but anyways, they're the same name. They're the exact same name. So Jacob's ladder, first of all. Yes. But there's another thing. And this is, I, I don't know if I should say this actually, because I don't, I've, I don't know what happens in this game, mm. but I have some intimations of what's going to happen. And based on something you said in episode one, mm. I already have figured something out just based on this name alone. Okay. So I'm just going to throw a name out there. I actually think I mentioned it earlier in this episode too. If you don't care, then you won't know anything. Should but we, if you think we, about it a little too much. Should throw a quick spoiler warning on there? Well, it's not <laughs> even... Yes, yes, we should. Spoiler warning for like two seconds. Um, a short of Jacob is Jack. Okay. Okay. Spoiler warning is over. <laughs> now, let's continue. So we have the name. The name James or Jacob means supplanter in Hebrew. So this would reference uh, the Jacob and Esau story where Jacob replaces Esau as the heir of the family, right? However, afterwards, Jacob's name is then changed to Israel, which means to wrestle with God or something similar. And this is really, this is really key, I think, to this game from what I've played so far. The idea of wrestling with God for Carl Jung meant self-individuation. Mm -hmm. He wrote that the God image is immediately related to or identical with the self. He also considered Christ to be a symbol of the self. Jung then wrote that God appears to Jacob in hostile form as an assailant with whom the hero has to wrestle. In this manner, God manifests himself, and in this form, he must be overcome. James is wrestling with his psyche throughout this game. Just something to keep in mind. I understand there will be heavy God-focused themes later on in this game, and we'll certainly discuss more of that later. Uh... So that's James, right? James referencing Jacob who wrestled with God, who wrestled with himself, who wrestled with his nature as if it was an enemy, 
to be overcome. Okay, how about that? So now we have the name Sunderland. So Sunderland means a separate land or a land set apart. So the land of Israel was a land set apart. And of course the name Jacob and the name Israel are it's referring to the same person, right? And the land of Israel was separated and set apart and consecrated by God. Sunderland is also the name of a city in England which is also well known for being the greatest shipbuilding port in the entire world about 200 years ago. There were a great many famous people from that town named James, but I think the most interesting is the word Jamie. Jamie's were the boats made in the ports of Sunderland. Have you ever heard the analogy that individuation is like going fishing on the sea of the unconscious mind, right? Mm. So you go fishing and the idea is, take care that your catch isn't bigger than you can handle because it'll pull you under instead right. of you pulling it up. Yeah. So, um, you can bring valuable parts of your unconscious to your conscious mind, but your unconscious can just as easily be the thing that swallows up your conscious self. And then you become a prisoner of your own mind. Anyways, the Jamie's, the ships from Sunderland, which is an old fishing town, would voyage across the seas in search of distant lands and untold treasures. So the Jamies of Sunderland. <laughs> and the, the reason they're called Jamies is because they were, um, this, the town or the people from that town were in supportive of King James, who oh, okay. was, um, and yeah. then there's another town a little ways down. They're called the Georgies because they For side with King, King George. George yeah. And then anyways, um, it's really good stuff. <laughs> it's really cool. Now, I don't know that they knew the whole thing about Jamie's, but the fact that that town is a fishing town is uh, just quite quite the thing, I'd say. Okay. So okay. then we have the memorable thing, and we've already gone through that. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm done with the Toluca stuff. So then before we see Angela, I think there's a well. We go past a well, and this is the first save yes. point. And the save points are just like red squares. Yes. And I don't know what that means, like freaking at all. I, but, I'll explain that later. Okay. <laughs> uh, but he looks, he goes, there's something in that well. What is that? It's just a red square, right? It's just there. But then he's looking at that and he, he says, I feel like someone's groping around inside my skull. It gives me a weird feeling. Yes. So looking at a red square makes him feel like somebody's groping around in his skull. And I looked up the Japanese. It is the same word for groping. So... Like, that's weird. That's crazy. Um, it almost, you would think that this is something that he doesn't want to deal with, right? So yes. these red squares represent things that he doesn't want to deal with, that he just wants to look away from. But then you, they become save points. They become memorable places, for mm -hmm. lack of a better word. Sure. Um, they become places that, uh, places of memory, I guess you could say. Yes. So that's all I've got. Um, what they mean. Yes. I don't know. There's there's a lot to the red squares, and yeah. we'll, we'll definitely get into that, but I can't. So I wrote, red I is the color of yet. blood. It's the color of power. It means lots of things. So does the square, the shape square. It means a lot of things. So alone, I just can't tell what they mean, but it's for sure significant because everything is so desaturated in this game. To see a really saturated red color like that is like, yes. that's clearly meant to stand out. Now I get it. It's a save point, but I feel like there's something deeper to it than that. Yes. There is. <laughs> there is. <laughs> All right. Now I'm at um, Angela. You're right out at Angela. Great thing about Angela. It looks like she comes out of the grave. Right? When yeah, a she bit, first, because yeah. the camera's kind of um, framed from behind the tombstone, and all of a sudden she kind of like, it's almost like she just pulls herself out of the tombstone, and then she's there, and she's like looking at the grave. Mm -hmm. That's, I don't know. That's really, really kind of cool, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I won't comment on that yet either. Okay. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Okay. So she's uh, interesting as, as kind of a first character we're being introduced to here. Um, despite how she looks, she's much younger than than what she looks. She she Angela? almost looks like she's forty years old or something. She kind of right? does. Yeah. She's actually a teenager. What? Yes. No way. She doesn't talk like a teenager. <laughs> she at does all, talk like a teenager, I think, because she's call, she's like looking for her mama. Right. Yeah. And, and she's, she like the, the way that she interacts with James, it, it, it comes across to me as very kind of immature. Right. Um, yes. Like she, she definitely lacks confidence. She's afraid. She like doesn't really know how to explain things very well. Right, yeah. Like, um, I think that the way she talks comes across as a lot younger than the way that she looks. But yes, she's, She's not like this older, you know, middle-aged lady. She's heck? she's a teenager. Yeah, which is I, like I the opposite of what you that. typically see in Japanese-made games. It's usually okay. the girls are much younger than they look. But um, in any well, case, <laughs> okay. Go ahead. There's something else here. I I didn't bring this up earlier, but okay. So that actually i'm putting connections together now just knowing that she's a teenager actually helps me see something really important um as it relates to some of the other characters but there's another part here uh that i wrote down this is a note just about mary specifically mm. and about how this story is already kind of um <coughs> it's subtly undermining expectations that i have going into the game right so james journey is to find his dead wife it seems right she's dead and he's going to find her so this is just different from any other type of hero's journey that you would typically see, right? So it's in the typical hero's journey, you're seeking a virgin, you're seeking somebody who when, from the male side at least, when you unite with, that becomes the potential for a procreative future, something like that, right? When you already start out your journey as you're looking for something that's basically that doesn't exist, you're looking for something that's not there, um, I don't know. It just kind of it it kind of throws the idea of the hero's journey onto its head, which is something that video games really latch onto. You kind of need to have that that theme there. So we find ourselves looking for the love that we already found, but somehow lost. However, if her name is Mary, then she will likely still have some similarity to a virgin. There's still something there. It's almost like um, well, okay, I'll just keep reading here. It's like he's trying to reclaim the virgin, almost like he's trying to reclaim the past. Maybe this is part of his psychological projection. He projects the virgin, Mary, one of the stages of the anima, onto his dead wife, who he is trying to find. He's not really searching for her. He's actually searching for his anima within his mind. Mm. That's kind of what I get here because she's already dead. Like, like there's no, they're not going to so, um, what you, undercut our expectations here. They've told us right out front, like, we're looking for something that doesn't exist. And so... I don't know. That should just color your perception of the whole game uh, from that point on. Yeah. So uh, as we had a quick note here from Chocolate Rob, um, oh, Angela yeah. is also voiced by an older woman. So she she would look that's and sound I, older. That's so strange. But like, I think if you pay attention particularly to her words and the way that she acts, it, it, it that that's what feels off about it. That like someone who looks sounds older like that is acting like a like a child would act or something like that right now what like i looking for what, her mama she says yeah, mama what i took yeah. away very the very first note that i took on angela is that she gets like startled kind of beyond yeah um what's appropriate 
right. for for James, who was not that close to be like, hi, right. you know, just like announcing his presence, he's approaching. Yeah, she gets like way more startled than you would think, right, for a normal person, and then she begins apologizing. That's the she, first thing she does. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She yes, gets, gets really okay, deferential yeah. and, and timid and yeah. um, recoils and uh, is, is afraid of him, mm. like right away. Um, and so I think those things are tells, uh, which Interesting. We'll, we'll get into, because we see her several times throughout. Okay, uh, the characters you come across in the game, you'll, you'll encounter them multiple times throughout and you'll get to learn a little bit more about why they're here as well. Mm. So that's the first thing that they start talking about. Oh, you know, you know, what brings you here for her? She's looking for her mother. She calls, she says, I think she says my, my mama. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean my mother. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, but, but also, uh, she mentions her father and brother. I believe. Yeah. Those are kind of side notes later. Like she's really looking for her mom, but then she's like, Oh yeah, I also have this dad and brother kicking around somewhere. Yes. <laughs> but I'm really looking for my mom. Right. So, yeah, um, and then he says that he, um, he's lost, right? He's lost. I laughed at this, this line. Is, lost. See, like okay. the way she says this it. is so funny because you're like, yeah, she's so scared. <laughs> so she shows up, we, we approach her. She's scared. She's acting like really, you know, defensive. But as soon as we tell her that we're lost, she changes. Yeah. Like she becomes, I guess I can see more of the teenager part here, <laughs> but she becomes like kind of upset. Yeah. That we like are lost. <laughs> and or she's like, how, it how like could you be lost? Hard to believe or yeah. Right. Well, then she says there's only one road. Like yeah. she gets kind of snobby a little bit. Yeah, right. Right. And it's like, who is this? This is one of the things that I'll be referencing a lot is the, the attitude changes mid conversation of the characters that we talk to and how their line deliveries will dramatically change from, from delivery to delivery Yeah, in a way that's kind of shocking and maybe off putting to some people. At least uh, people who maybe don't understand <clears throat> what exactly the game's trying to do or say, um, and you just take it at face value. It's like it just comes across as bad voice acting, mm. but I don't think that's what it is. No, I actually think the voice acting is pretty good um, for what I played. I don't know about um, the other versions, <laughs> um, but I think voice acting is quite good. Uh, but they're trying to convey something different here than most games are trying to convey. It, it's not meant to be fluid. It's meant to be jumpy and yeah. kind of all over the place, a little scattered. Yeah, which kind of brings up the, the Twin Peaks parallel, which is, I mean, yeah. Twin Peaks is just kind of bizarre. <laughs> yes, um, it is. It, 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 as far as that goes, as far as performances go, yeah. as far as like the way people will talk to each other in certain scenes. And so I feel like this is almost meant to be kind of similar to that, where it's not necessarily supposed to sound as natural and convincing right, as right. possible. That's what there, I mean. there's, there's an element to it that feels off as the whole game feels off. This whole town feels off. Everything about it feels dreamlike yes. in that sense. So, And the fog is there too. Like what is fog? Fog is basically a cloud that descended yeah. down. So this town is in the clouds. Yeah. Whatever the heck that means. Um, and she's in a graveyard, right? So it's really, it is kind of a creepy place to be. Um, Angela tries to warn James to stay away from the town because something's wrong with it. And, um, you know, it, it could even be dangerous, you know, she alludes to, and he's determined to go either way. He's like, I, and you, you know, he's like, I don't really care if it's dangerous or not. Like I'm going in no matter what. So 
again, right. there there is a very dreamlike surrealism to this whole scenario. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it it that's not normal. No, for somebody to go into a town that could potentially be dangerous, looking for someone he knows is dead. <laughs> Because he got <laughs> yes, a letter and exactly. it's impossible to fake the handwriting of a letter. He had to have wrote, <laughs> you know, it's just, it doesn't, it, there's no logic to it. Mm. Um, and so it, and that's kind of how dreams are, right? Right. Like they it's feel totally like a dream. They feel like, oh, I don't have a choice, but you then you think about it later and it's like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Why did I do that? <laughs> yeah. And how did this, and why didn't I question the situation? Yeah. It's like, oh, whatever. So. Yeah. I'm not alluding to this game. It's just a, a dream, you know, as, as mm. a plot twist or anything like that. I'm just going to get that out of the way. That's not what I'm talking about. But there's something about this. There's something about his motivation going in there that is many surfaces below just, oh, my wife wrote me a letter and I'm trying to find her. Like there's a stronger motivation than that because logic does not support that as the motivation for him <laughs> being determined enough right. to face like real danger and not care about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So <clears throat> I thought that that was pretty interesting. I think so. Um, so as you continue forward into the town, you're hearing more sounds in the woods. I really like that. Yeah. Every now and then you um, hear a cat. Yeah. Okay. So you're hearing oh, also radio the, static noise. Real quick. There is this um, note here. I don't know if this is important or not, but right next to the graveyard is a church. Oh yeah. And so there's a church there next to the graveyard. Um, and then on the way, the fog being so thick, um, th- there's, we'll get to this great moment later where something like this happens. But the, the fog being so thick has to resemble something other than just letting them render, you know, um, the draw distance, um, yeah. having them not to have to render so much in the draw distance so that they can show more detail closer up. Um, but not being able to see very far also translates into not being able to see into the future either, not knowing what's coming, not mm. knowing how long it takes to get to a place, not knowing, not being able to see. Um, anything can happen when you don't know the potential of something, right? Like right. It, anything can be anything, basically. All, you can emerge in front of a, you know, a huge mountain and you you wouldn't think twice. You'd be like, okay, there's a mountain here, I guess. Right. Like it doesn't matter. Um Anything can show up. It's like darkness. It's not just a lack of sight because your brain projects and fills in what you cannot see. And it's usually not very pretty. Like if you're ever alone in a pitch black room, right? It's just raw potential. There could be anything there. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, the thickness of the fog is, is really interesting. Like it, it's, yeah. I mean, you can't see anything. Nothing. With It's maybe like a, I'll call it like a six foot draw distance. In yeah, front it's of you. really close. It's really <laughs> it's close. Very, you very hear thin. things well before you see them. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, also, um, as you're walking down into the town, you just get this feeling of a descent. It's like you're going downwards. Yeah. Every the whole path down. It's a journey downwards. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so he kind of comes to this spot. There, there's kind of a four way stop. There's some mm-hmm. blood on the street. Yep. At leading away to the right, and he looks down there. He sees a sort of like a human-like figure, obviously a monster, yeah. uh, walking deeper into the mist. And he's he's going to go after it. Like, what's going on here, right? Um, so he's hearing some radio static, some noise, and it's getting stronger. He's he's getting closer to it. There's some some jumbled you know tones and things like that. Yeah. Um, he follows it to a place where he finds a walkie-talkie. It's like kind of underneath this bridge or. 
Yes. You know, like a walkway above. Yeah, it's like a dark um, tun- yeah, tunnel. Yeah, like a tunnel. <coughs> yeah. And he picks up the, the, the radio, but then that monster that he encountered in the street is It's there. right there, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's is, that straightjacket one, right? Yeah. Where so he's kind of waddling. Arms and... are kind of like almost folded in skin or like to its body yeah, like geez, this, man. right? Yeah, it's creepy. Um, so um, this ends up kind of becoming the uh, the method for which the game informs you that a monster is nearby is that this radio noise will sort of like yes. get louder and louder. It'll grow, right? What do you think about that? Um, I like it. Uh, I like it too. I think it's, it's, it's a really... Especially for like a horror setting, right? Like yeah, yeah. static and those types of oh, sounds. Oh yeah! If you think of what's that movie with the kid in front of the TV, and it's all staticky, Poltergeist. Oh yeah, Poltergeist? yeah, Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Static is a a classic horror. Well, it's kind of like a trope. chaotic sort of. Um, yes. Well, I have some. I have some notes sound right. So yeah. it, it's it's uh it's. Well, I mean, it's it's one of like many, I guess, sounds that are kind of like in the toolkit of of the sound designer that work for creating uh, an atmosphere that seems chaotic or disturbing yes. or distorted or something like that. Yes. And so, uh, especially, I, mean, I think they needed something like this when your visibility is so limited. Oh yeah, right. Totally. Yeah. To give you an idea, like, hey, like danger is close by. I think that especially because you can't see. Whether you're indoors or not, because when you're yeah. indoors, it's really dark. When you're outside, there's the fog. Because you can't see, it's like, again, it sort of plays to that um, technique for which they are creating the horror, which is you can't see it, but you know it's there. Yes, yeah. yeah. And I, I think that the radio yeah, that's good. like supplements that and actually uh, goes a long way towards um, like creating that feeling. Hmm. is, oh, I know something's nearby. I wouldn't have known that had it not been for the radio. Right. But like now I can't exactly see it. Where it is. And yes. I don't know exactly where it is. Yeah, yeah. And that actually, you know, I, I think it's really effective. Yeah, I like it. Um, were you going to say something there? I was, but you can go to need your notes here real quick. Okay. But, well, are we moving on the tunnel from the tunnel part? Yes. Because that was he, he, he crazy. Has to, he has to kill it, right? Yeah, so he, that's he like, beats it with like a... Like a pole, like yeah, yeah. It was so weird because the thing didn't attack me. I just beat it until it was dead. Took a few hits. Took a while, and then uh, what is it? He says something like, "What was that?" You know, he's like confused as to what's going on. But then he doesn't really seem too disturbed by it from that point on. Yes, that's that's kind of weird. That's kind of what I was trying to touch on just a minute ago too. Is yeah, like. Anybody who encounters something like this in real life is you like you run away screaming. This is this is the most messed up thing you could possibly have encountered yes. in real life. Yes, yes and he yes. doesn't seem that phased by it. He's still determined to go find a person he knows doesn't is not alive anymore. And he'll beat a billion monsters. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he doesn't care. Yeah. And he just uses like a piece of wood, you know, just like yeah. And then we get the radio. So. The radio feedback on the enemies is interesting. It's white noise, and I equate that with dissonance, right? Yeah. So that means that the signals are being crossed or there isn't a clear signal coming through. I equate that with cognitive... I equate this specific instance 
well, every time that we see it in this game, every time you hear that dissonance, I consider it, I equate it with cognitive dissonance, right? So he is confused by what's happening. <clears throat> Reality is breaking in front of him. Monsters are appearing. The world is not what it was. He's moving forward, but something's going on in his mind. And maybe this is projection because when we killed that first monster, it didn't seem all that harmful. So I'm having cognitive dissonance for sure. Mm. Uh, and I believe that the radio also represents that too, right? It, one of the things is it was hard to know if you actually killed an enemy, right? So when the static white noise stops, that's when it's dead. Yes. That's when you've settled your cognitive dissonance. You, you're, the, the dissonance goes away and you're back on track, mm, you know? I like that, yeah. So that's when you've battled your demons and resolved to move forward. When he said he felt like someone was groping around inside his head, that's a sign of cognitive dissonance. Something is pulling him apart on the inside, and he's trying to hold himself together. Gosh, there's something I want to say right now, but I'm going to wait on it. But it's in relation to that. You, you can yeah. almost feel like he's suppressing something. Let's sure. put it that way. Yes, yes. And yeah. and, and it's, it's like it's appearing in a way in front of him, and he's like having to overcome that and then he can overcome it okay now he's back together again he yeah. can he can move forward a little bit until he encounters another instance of it and it's like ah it's pulling at his brain it's almost like like you're saying somebody <laughs> is reaching into his mind bringing things up sure and, and he, he is fighting it overcome. down yeah a little bit like like he's yeah i'll just leave it at that that's i don't want to say too much that's more great than that. that's great <laughs> so this is what i got if if silent hill um, represents his memories, at least in a, in a way. Like, I'm not saying it's a totally made-up place, but uh, but he's projecting his memories onto this town. Um, then these monsters represent the cognitive dissonance of reliving those memories, right? Mm -hmm. So they are the guardians of his past. This is one of the fun things about, like, what a, what it, what a guardian is, right? A guardian, it, it, it protects things, but it keeps things from getting in, but it also keeps things from getting out, mm -hmm. right? It kind of, it serves both purposes. And so as he fights <laughs> these things, you can consider them something along the lines of guardians of his past. Um, they, they keep him from reliving the past and it's painful, but he has to overcome them in order to move forward. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. So, um, after, uh, putting this monster down, James hears a woman's voice on the radio, though he can't really make out what it's saying. Um, he, he decides to take the radio with him, you know, maybe it'd be useful oh, at some right. point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then once you pick up uh, the flashlight in the abandoned apartment building, this is a little bit further ahead. I don't know if yeah. you have any notes in between this. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, I can't remember when I get that. Um, one of my notes is, okay, so just the way that the map works, I think it's really cool. It's like it's like you're a tourist in a town. You just pull out your paper map and you just X here and here's the path. Here's how I get from yes, here to here. Yes, I like that. It's actually. really cool. Yeah. And it actually, I, it reminds me, because I don't mind not having a map on screen all the time. Sure. I actually like that I have to yes. pause and look through my paper map. Yes. You know? It's yes. Cool. It, it harkens back to a time when, you know, you didn't have mini maps in every game that exactly. have a waypoint that point you exactly where to See, go. You and never get lost ever. And like that would really yeah. hurt this game. I, I think feel it would like. hurt this game a lot. You're supposed to get lost in Silent Hill. That's the whole point. <laughs> Dude, the, when, especially when you're in these buildings, it's like, oh my gosh, the hallways and the doors and the doors and the doors. Yes. And they're all locked. And a million keys. It's, <laughs> and tons of keys. So uh, I'm going to say this right now. Yes. The, the game Silent Hill is basically a key collectathon. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like 
It's like Pokemon. Gotta you, collect you, all the keys. You run around monsters yes. <laughs> to go collect keys and to get you through doors to go collect and... more keys. Yes. <laughs> That's basically what the game is. <laughs> but think of what a key symbolizes, though, right? Yeah. Like a key symbolizes like the ability to move forward, right? Sure. You've, or the ability to keep things safe. I don't know. Like a key, you, you're collecting these keys, but you're also collecting paths forward. As you collect these keys. I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. I also, I don't mind stopping and looking at the map. It feels a bit more immersive. Yeah. But there was one game that had the ultimate version of this. Do you remember Zombie U for yes. the Wii U? Yeah, I really liked <laughs> that remember game. remember how actually. you had to look down? Yeah. You The game continued. You were going to die. Yeah. You had to look into your inventory. There's no pausing. You had to look at the map. You yeah. couldn't pause. And uh, that made it so scary. Dude. Yeah. It was so scary. Yeah, I really actually enjoyed that game That was a, a fun lot. game. I thought yeah. it was a really fun game. Um, but yeah, like uh, Dark Souls is kind of the same way, or the Soulsborne series. Like, there's no pausing in it. So yeah. when you go into your inventory, like it's happening in uh, real time. You so can you still can. be attacked. It's like yeah. in Breath of the Wild, you, you can just pause and eat like a thousand apples. Yes, like, in the middle of a boss. <laughs> yeah, it's like you can't do that in Dark Souls. Like, or even say in a Resident good. Evil game, right? You you can like you can basically go into your menu and like combine weapons and like <laughs> sit there and mix potions like while mid, mid attack <laughs> right as you're about to get hit by something. Yeah. You can't That's do funny. that uh, in, okay. in, in that either. But yeah, um, I, I, I do really wish that games would have the balls, so to speak, to go back to <clears throat> a traditional map like this where you've yeah. got to actually, like what I would do as a kid, I would I would see the map or whatever, but I'd break out and like draw it yeah, on get a paper and be like, I've been here, I've been here, you know, like yes. some legit exploration instead of, oh, here's the waypoint. You just follow the waypoint and the map system on the screen will, you know, keeps turn you north, with you, keeps you, north keeps you all the yeah, time. exactly yeah. oriented. And anyway, I, I miss that. I, I like that about this game. And no, I think too. it's important that the, uh, the very real possibility of getting lost as you're trying to follow this map, right? Like that's, that's an important part of it. I, I think you are totally. meant to get lost in Silent Hill. So it's part of the experience. Yeah. Right. Uh, we got Beardmo so, on the screen here showing us all oh, map nice. drawings that. that he's done. <laughs> good man. Good. <laughs> yep. That's what I'm talking that's about. That's true. If you have like graph paper, like grid yes, paper, yes. that's like perfect for yes, video games. Exactly. Okay, um, and I'm I'm up to the clock. Okay, so, so you get into the abandoned apartment building. Um, now I don't think we've played enough yet for me to comment on on exactly what this is yet. But there is a dress on a mannequin. You remember this? Oh yeah, I saw the mannequin. Yeah, that was interesting. There was like a light on it too. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so there, there's a key in this room, or I think you get the key from the mannequin or something like that. Anyways, um, but right behind it, a monster dress. pops up, and this was uh, I think the oh. first place in this playthrough where I remember taking note on the shadows, like how good the shadows oh, look yes. that are cast from the flashlight. Yeah, you get the flashlight. The yes. Sorry, you don't get a key, you get a flashlight. You get the flashlight. You yeah. get the flashlight here and he, he kind of puts it on him and it's casting, you know, light up on the walls and you see the shadow from the from the monsters are fighting it. Yeah, very creepy. And this was, very I mean, cool. PlayStation 2 where they started using like real time lighting yes like actual shadows and actual shadows yeah. and i just remember that being one of the most incredibly impressive things graphically yeah. i'd ever seen <laughs> yeah. was like real time light and shadows in games 
That's and right, it yeah. really adds to the atmosphere here um, in this like dungy, like filthy apartment building that's so dark. And then you mm-hmm. see this monster get a blah, and you can see its shadows on but the wall. The monster and... isn't the mannequin with the dress, right? No. Okay. No, it's not. The mannequin and the dress is just kind of in the middle of the room. Okay. And I, I'll come back to that oh, a good, little good. bit later because. I, can't, I um, didn't have any notes on yeah, that. Because it, it is uh, something to take note of. But, okay. Um, okay. So, uh, later on, you come across a key on the floor behind some bars that are kind of blocking. Oh, yeah. It's like a hallway, and there's like some bars there. Yes. And he's reaching through to try to grab this key on the floor. And a a, a little girl comes running through (laughs) it and kicks the key away and and steps steps on on his hand. Yeah. She's she's a little little butt, this girl, man. She's... (laughs) This is well. You have you learned her name? I learned her name. Okay, yeah. so Laura. Laura, Laura is yeah, her name. Her name is Laura. Uh, we, another character reveals that a little bit later, but yeah. Um, and uh, she's basically she, well, she does not like James. I guess we'll put it that way. Um, yeah, we'll find out why later. But. Uh, how much have you <laughs> learned about Laura at the point? point I've that learned you're at? stuff. I probably don't need to say here, but I okay. don't know who she is at all. But okay. I, but we did. I did get to speak with her. Okay. Okay. And so I do know her version of possibly how we're connected. Okay. And how it doesn't line up with our version. Um, But I also have that she's an antagonist. She's definitely antagonizing, antagonistic towards us um, for sure. But she's not an antagonist to be killed, it seems. (laughs) Yes. So we're, and this is the weirdest part. I'm like, okay, these bars mean something. Are we behind the bars or is she behind the bars? (laughs) (laughs) Is. It feels like a prison kind of thing. You see the bars again just a little bit later in the same building. And it's like, it feels like prison bars. And, yeah. But I can't, I, I've thought of it both ways and I, I don't know who's in, who's in prison. Is it, are we in prison or is she in prison? I don't know. Uh, I, I, I suppose I think it would that'll be the girl. Be, that'll become more obvious to you oh, pretty okay. soon too. But So the idea there is, is there's a place we can't go to that's locked away. We can't reach the key because a kid who was locked behind those bars, kicked it away laughing. (laughs) All right, well, I need more information. Um, So then my next note is that grocery grocery cart that has the handgun inside. Oh, dude, I have like 100 notes. Okay, so I actually maybe not 100. I have a couple. You're uh, talking about the, you, the clock where you, you use the, the key. Clock? Yeah, yeah. No, no, I don't think I'm up to that point. Oh, yet. okay. Never mind then. Then you can. Uh, um, the only reason I took this note is because this was directly stated the by the developer saying that they purposefully put a gun inside of a grocery cart to sort of satirize the, uh, you know, the accessibility of the firearms perceived, in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. accessibility. Yeah. Um, so, you know. That was <laughs> what they, funny. that's why they did that. <laughs> that's why they put a gun in a shopping, shopping cart in the middle of an apartment building. Um, so this is interesting too. So later James comes across a dead corpse that's sitting in front of a TV. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And he's, you know, all surprised by that. <laughs> this happens a couple times where he says like, who could have done this? I know. This is so weird. It's like, we're going around a town killing monsters. We've killed hundreds of them. They're all trying to kill us. And as soon as we see another person, we're like, oh my goodness, this town's even scarier than I thought. And like, dude, you're, you're in hell right now. <laughs> like, well, also, who could have done this? It's like... <laughs> any one of these monsters anyone. that are chasing you through the street. <laughs> you know, you're yeah. running away from these horrors trying to you're like beating See, them down. He says this, I who could have done this? <laughs> he says this two separate times. He says the same thing before we meet Eddie. There's another dead yeah. body that we find. And it's like who could have done this? And 
it's almost like there is a disconnect in his mind. Yeah. Between yeah. what he's dealing with all the time and yeah. what he perceives as being something along the lines of the objective reality <laughs> yeah. in front of him, right? And it's like, it's like he somehow in his mind he knows a monster didn't do that. Yes. Now, how does he know that? I don't know, but he knows it. So he's got some separation between whatever's happening to him and whatever he's seeing happening to other people around him, and he knows that they aren't. There's a separation there. They're not the same thing. Right. Now, I don't know exactly what that means or where that comes in later on, but did you get to see the person in the chair? Yes. So so okay. I'm glad you picked up on I this because I was wondering as if you did. As soon as I saw the hair, I was like, yes. wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to get an angle. I tried to see. I, you can't see that well, but it's James. It's James in the chair. Yeah. yeah that's crazy. Exactly. And the blood is on the TV, which means he would have been shot from behind. Yeah. I, or something, I don't know, as far as I can tell. Yeah. But that's that James. is that he is the same character self. model that that of the of the James character model. Same character model. You don't ever see yeah. his face. I don't think you can even get it. No, an angle but on I it. saw the hair yeah. and I saw enough to think that that looks just like him. Yep. Yep. That is definitely uh James really weird. In the chair. Now given that that was him, likely what's up with that reaction, dude? <laughs> now all of a sudden his reaction doesn't isn't strong enough, you know? Yeah. Well, that's the part that again is the whole thing just feels it feels off dreamlike. Yeah. It feels like it, it doesn't make sense. It's like when you have a dream and it makes sense when you're dreaming it, but then you wake up and you think about it as like, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> that's kind of like what this whole game feels like. Okay, so yeah. That, that kind of adds to that. You know? Yeah, that was crazy, man. That was crazy. Um, I, another instance. Um, this one really speaks to me in terms of. Uh, phobias or things that you're afraid of right um there are a lot of things that people are afraid of that i don't really get like arachnophobia i've never understood yeah um some people are just like literally terrified of a spider and it's just, I, I just don't get it um you know th there's a lot of things like that where where <laughs> i'm just like what what is it but but reaching into holes i knew you were going and there. not knowing dude what's on the other side of that okay all caps <laughs> for the part you're referring to right now my note on there oh my gosh this is the scariest thing ever we're fighting monsters we're in this crazy foggy town where there's no people yep. and blood everywhere yep. and the scariest thing and you know what made it even scarier to me it's so tempting. Okay, we should probably talk about what happens here. Yeah. There's this hole in the wall. It's dark. Yes. There's like some green ooze coming out of it. I don't know what's up. It's really creepy. Yes. And somehow James knows, oh, I've got to stick my hand in here. Yes. And uh, get whatever's back there. It's important. Um, at first he reaches in and then he takes his hand out because yes. he's like, whoa. It's like he felt something, like something yes. happened. Well, nothing likely happened. It was just... That's what happens when you freaking put your yeah, hand into a dark place you can't see it. Yeah. where you can't see it. So then he reaches in and it takes like a good six or seven seconds. It's a long time. Or maybe 10 seconds. And then a long time. The key or yeah. something, right? Yeah, the key. Okay. That, which I think you take to the clock after that. Yes, and this goes to the clock. So my notes here, dude, this is the scariest thing ever. When you reach into a dark hole, your mind will interpret every sight or sound or movement, any subtle thing that happens as a wolverine ready to devour you. He takes his hand out and then puts it back in. He gets the clock key. I could talk for hours about this moment. I quoted Carl Jung um, in our Xenosaga series on this, um, but I'm going to read the quote again here because we're on a new series. Uh, Jung says, That which we need most will be found where we least want to look. Yes. So 
he comes to the scariest part of the game so far. <laughs> and he puts, I could feel it too. It's the craziest thing. So this is a building full of monsters, but he puts his hand into a dark hole in the wall, not knowing what was there. I respect the game makers a lot too, because they so easily could have put in a jump scare. Sure. Right now he put his hand out, but there's nothing there. And he put, reaches in and I'm waiting for it. I'm it's like, like the perfect place to do it. Yeah. Yeah. If you were, um, who, if you were a low budget horror filmmaker, you're, you're making the hand move. You're making, you're making something grab his hand grab and pull him, him in. You're yes. making something creepy is going to happen. Ooh. It didn't. He just came out with the treasure. Yeah. Right. And, but that was the most suspenseful, like, 10 seconds in video games. It's so good. <laughs> they could so easily put in a cheap way to make the game feel scary, but instead yeah. they opted for the deeper way, the feeling that you get when you put your hand into a dark room and let your imagination run wild. Yep. You can see it working in James, too. He's afraid of what he'll find, so he hesitates at first. Then, after a brief battle with his own mind, he overcomes the fear and finds a key, but not just any key. We have to go back to, this is a key to the clock, right? Yeah. What was written on the clock here... There's a quote written on the clock. It says, the scars from the past shall remove the nail that stops time. Right? So he doesn't just find a treasure in the place that he least wants to look. He finds like the key to making time move forward again. Like what I wrote for the clock here um, is that the clock is stuck. Time has stopped. We need the scars from the past to heal. That's why we're here. We're here to unstop time. Yes. So basically, he is stuck in the past. He's stuck. And in order for him to move forward, he had to put his hand. There's another point later on where he puts his hand into a toilet. Yes. And it's like, dude, but you've got to go where you really do not want to go in order to be capable of moving forward, right? Otherwise, you're just going to be haunted if you keep avoiding it. Like, oh, I don't know. Like, if I were in that building. Bring back up the mirror, looking yourself in the mirror uh, symbol, which is. Again, yeah. this is another um, allusion to that idea is going where you don't want to go, looking at your own mind, at your own past, at your own trauma, yeah. at your own actions, whatever it might be. Your and and yeah. you've got to do that in order to move forward because you'll be stuck. There'll be a nail sticking you in time that you won't be able to escape unless you do that. Yeah. So... Um, it's a key that makes time start again. The key that will help him move beyond the scars of the past. So I wonder if the entire game can be summed up at this moment. Now, I haven't beat the game. I don't know. But it seems pretty apt. Like this moment is like this is the game, man. Um, in my opinion, this was much scarier than any of the monsters we've fought so far. And uh, anyways, here's another thing. Uh, there's butterflies kind of flying around the area too as we're like reaching yeah. in, mm-hmm. right? So... Do you know what butterflies symbolize in Japan? No. Okay. It's their the departed spirits, right? Okay. So when you when people die, you'll see a butterfly come around. I see this in Korean dramas and and um you see this often. Um people will visit a grave a year or a, what they say I say grave often in Japan it's a cremation right. what do you call it? It's like a the cabinet the, kind of yes, thing. Right. Anyways, but people will often go to a memorable place where they spent time with somebody or something like a graveyard um, and a butterfly will land on top of the grave. And it's like, this is, you know, this symbolizes the spirit of the person. Um, so butterflies uh, represent the souls of the deceased uh, and they seemed here to be merely shadows. 
you kind of just see the shadows of butterflies, not necessarily butterflies themselves. That It's kind of weird. I don't know exactly what's going on there. But I think it's important to know that that's what butterflies tend to uh, symbolize here. Yeah. Man, my notes are all over because you did things in a different order than I did. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. Anything else that you had there that we missed? Uh, probably, probably. Um, I We did see another set of bars um, before, I think, before we saw the dead body in the chair. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was... Uh, something else behind the bars but these are like flimsy bars these are thinner bars these aren't the thicker Uh so when when the girl shows up these are like sturdy bars man you're not breaking past those but then we go to this other part where the bars are kind of falling apart and they're bent and they're breaking Mm. down a little bit but what's on the other side of those bars is i actually couldn't tell there's a thing there our radio frequency starts going wee 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 and then but these bars look like they can be easily broken and whatever it is it's it's a monster but it's not moving it's just solid and when you leave the room again it's gone yeah. So anyways, that's weird. But we're going to have a harder time getting to the bars, past the bars where the kid was at, than we are going to. Um, <laughs> so let's say those bars are keeping us from reaching the key that the kid kicked. Yes. Or the kid themselves. But then these other bars are protective bars. These other bars are keeping something out away from us but they're not very strong. Yeah. <laughs> so I wish that the situation were reversed, I suppose, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I wish that the bars for the place we want to go, are were eight, we were able to break, and then the bars that keep the bad things out were a bit stronger. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Um, pyramid Head. Are you ready to get yeah. up to that point? Yeah, so the clock was stuck at 11.29. It needs to be changed to 9.10. I don't, or from my playthrough, I don't know if that changes for games or not. But anyways, um, I don't know what any of that symbolizes, 11.29. But we unstick it. Um, yep. And yeah, let's Leads move to, on to Pyramid uh, Head, man. Like a path behind the, the clock, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, so this is Oof. the first, I think, really overt piece of sexual symbolism in the game. Yeah. But there's going to be a lot more. Really? <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> So, um, it, it's a big theme of the game. So, um, I mean, there's not really any other way to put it. You, you walk in on Pyramid Head as he's basically, I'm trying to know what I should, what I can get away with saying on YouTube without getting like a flag. Yeah, it's, it's jacked up. <laughs> it's mul- multiple. It's more than bodies. one of those mannequin <clears throat> yeah. uh, enemies, which are, it's like a pair of legs and then another pair of legs on top yeah. of it. Yeah, oh, that's so creepy, dude. Right. Yeah. So I'll talk yeah. a little bit more about that monster in a little bit, um, particularly after you um, after you find Maria. But, I mean, assaulting. Call uh, it a, a violent sexual encounter. Yes. That results in basically the mannequins are just dead. They're dead, at right. At the end, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's also, I mean, we talk about Pyramid Head himself, I mean, like as a, as a phallic symbol, a, a strong masculine oh, phallic right. symbol. There yeah. aren't a lot of those roaming around the town. He's kind of like the king of the place. He's right? kind of, he seems to be yeah. the king. This is a question I have about Pyramid Head. I wrote this down a little bit later, but um, is the pyramid the head or is the head inside the pyramid? <laughs> right. I don't know. Um, but a pyramid in general would reference like the he 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 would be like the tip part of the pyramid, right? And that's what he represents is the top of the hierarchy, the the top of the what would you call it the the highest position in somewhere, right? <clears throat> Wherever he comes from, he's the top. 
Yes. Um, I'm just trying to pull up a note I have here. There's a lot more on so this monster I could than explain. Others. I could explain the difference here. So if his head is the pyramid, then it represents perfectly the, the male phallic. I mean, obviously it's phallic. You can't get around that. Um, but it represents... Um, the hierarchy and and the the top of the hierarchy, right? But if the head is inside of the pyramid, then there's at least one aspect in which the pyramid can be said to um, have some type of feminine symbolism in it, um, given that it is a space where the head is inside of, right? So yeah. it, it it all depends. I don't know, and I don't know if you ever actually even find this out. I don't know if if we ever see him without his mask, without um, the pyramid on, on the body so i wouldn't know if it was if it was the head or if it was the head was inside of it well um, let's let's read this quote kay. from uh, masahiro ito pyramid head has no face so he expresses his will uh, and emotions by hand with his like hands right okay so i'm gonna hold off a little bit on explaining more of the maybe some of the symbolism behind the design of the character um just for the sake of spoilers uh we will return to this. There's probably already four things now that I have in mind that I need to come back to. <laughs> um, but this game's like that. Um, it, I think it is important to note that it's the strongest sort of like masculine figure in the town. Mm, and yes, that seems to be the case. It, and and it yeah. uses that power, you know, for what we see, which is a lot of sexually violent things, taking advantage, and more yes, than one yes. time. You know, so go ahead. You brought up, um, and I, I don't know exactly where this was going, but you brought up in the, I believe, the first episode, or possibly the end of Xenosaga, um, the Thanatos uh, Eros, yes, kind of like, mm -hmm. and how that works in with this game, yes. And I'm thinking like, okay, I get that to some extent, right? Eros represents love and romance, that kind of stuff. Yep. Thanatos being death and evil and violence. Um, and I think that this would be a good example of where those meet, mm -hmm. right? In this erotic, violent, like, situation yeah. is where it's not so much, um, it's not Eros and Thanatos against each other, but kind of like combining together. And it's really weird. Uh, you, you could think of Eros and Thanatos as something along the lines of like just the id and just the way the id works, right? Mm -hmm. It's sex and death. And that's all that the id is like concerned with. Yeah. Um, and that's like freaking pyramid head. <laughs> so he, he just takes the, the animal behaviors of, of an, of somebody who doesn't belong in polite society and just displays them. Yeah. Well, um, after, because, uh, James sort of hides in a wardrobe, right? He's sort of oh, like yeah. watching this from inside. Yeah. Oh, that was weird. And yeah. like Pyramid Head seems to be kind of approaching him and he just like unloads his clip like yeah, through the wardrobe. Yeah, he just shoots like six bullets, yeah. yeah. And so Pyramid Head retreats uh, for the time being. Um, and later, like right past this, you, you sort of hear some someone vomiting oh, uh, yeah. in a yeah, bathroom. Yeah. Yep, this yep. is where we meet Eddie. So a uh, new character here. Real quick. I have, I have one thing I want to bring up here, and th this is the strangest thing about the scene, right? Because, like, how, how do you feel, other than, like, how jacked up the scene is, how do you feel about the characters in this scene? In the pyramid head scene? Yes. All like, four, there's four characters. There's us, and then there's the two 
the monsters being yes. violated and then Pyramid Head. Yes. What do you think about the monsters being violated? <laughs> do you feel bad for them? Is my um, question. Well, I would say at this moment, I did not. Okay. Uh, particularly on the first playthrough. Like, I didn't. It just was all... The whole thing was just disturbing, and I just wanted to get away from it, I would say. Yes. So the weirdest um, thing is when he's had his way, he's like dragging one of the yeah, mannequin things by around. the leg, just yeah. like kind of carrying it away, and it's dead. Like, <clears throat> I felt bad. Bad for it. <laughs> for it. But he, he, this is the strangest thing. We can empathize with the enemies it, to some extent. They seem like tortured souls. I mentioned that in the first episode. But here's the thing. If we saw those same ones who were there being victimized, wouldn't we have just killed them ourselves? Yeah, that's true. Probably. So this is an interesting moment. This is like the first time we see Pyramid Head. Uh, James hides from inside of the closet. But there's something unsettling about like, it's not it's not just that, oh my gosh, Pyramid Head is so jacked. It's like, dude, we just, we go around slaughtering these things. We go around yes. just like hammering these things to death. Why do you, why would I feel bad for this character that just got violated and You would killed? have killed it anyways. Probably. I would have violated it, maybe not in the same way, but I would have freaking killed it. Like, yeah. and that would have been that. So, and when I say I, I'm referring to James, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, so what's the difference between Pyramid Head doing that and us doing that? No, that's, I don't know, that's but a it's a good really, question to ask. It's yourself. weird. It just kind of makes Keep me wonder. Keep that in like, mind oh as you move forward. Yeah. Okay. So, outside of the bathroom where Eddie is puking, yeah, there's a, a dead person kind of stuffed, sort of haphazardly into a cabinet yeah. thing. And again, the what the who could have done this? Who could have? We just you just saw. saw. <laughs> <laughs> you just saw this monster. Violating other monsters. Who could? Anyway, thought it was funny. I laughed out loud. Um, yeah, it's pretty horrible. So Eddie's in there. He's he's puking. Oh, and the the victim seems like younger too. I couldn't tell how old. You yeah, just kind of see the legs. The legs. But it looks out. maybe like a not like, not adult. Yes, keep yeah. that in mind too. <laughs> this is a young person. Um, so the first thing he does, and this this kind of took him back to Angela too, right? Yeah. You you just announce your presence to Angela. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She does. She starts apologizing right, right away. Yeah. The first thing that Eddie does is he swears he didn't do anything. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do it. I promise. Yeah. Uh, he's. I mean. Yeah. The first words out of his mouth are a denial of having done anything. Yeah, that's always suspicious. By the way, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> So say, thou doth protest too much. I also thought it was really funny that James asks if he's friends with Pyramid Head. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> you're, I you're, don't you're friends that. with that weird pyramid thing? He's like, I don't even know what you're talking about, which is, I think, also important. Uh, Eddie, oh, yeah, that's funny. This this is you're also right. something to note. Yeah, Eddie nice. does not know what he's talking about. He, he has not seen that yes. monster. Yeah. Um, but he says. Uh, uh, he has seen some weird looking monsters though. Right. So just keep that in mind. We'll get to more about that later. I, I man, I hate that I have to do this this much. Uh, this is driving sorry. me crazy. This is like the sixth or seventh thing that I'm going to have to come back and explain later. It's, it's just a, we, we, we've landed on, this is how we do our podcast <laughs> and, and the, some games it'll work better with than others. But in this one in particular, it's just kind of like, Oh, I can't say what I want to say yet. Um, so anyways, but it's important that he has not seen the same things right. that James is seeing. Yeah. Right? We not, haven't seen the same They're not seeing things. the same things. 
Um, um, so he, Eddie also says he's not even from this town. Right. He's Well, I think uh, he, James and Eddie and Angela were all only, kind of summoned there. Yes. Right. But they're the yeah. only people. The only people so that we've come across. Are not people from the place. Right. Yeah, they, they've come there for a reason, right? Yeah. They've come there looking for something. Um, so he asks him, James asks him why he came to Silent Hill. Um, and uh, there's something that, I think Eddie says there's something that brought him there. He says, oh, that's just like me, right? Like something lured you Beckoned, in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like you, you don't know exactly what, well, I guess James kind of does. He got a letter from his wife. Sure, sure. But, the, but it doesn't really make sense. There's something extra to it. There's a lure. There's a, an allure about Silent Hill. That yeah. brought them there. So they're all there kind of for that same reason, right? I um, also got some big, as he's denying having killed anyone, mm-hmm. but he's really suspicious. And his reaction, so this is the first reference that I've gotten more overt, I think, to something like Crime and Punishment. Oh, yeah. Um, especially in Raskolnikov's reaction after yes. he murders that woman, right? He is sick. He is so sick yes. for like days. He's got a fever. He's throwing up. He can't like function at all. He's so jacked. And so now we come upon a murder scene and there's this guy who was just sick to his stomach yep. claiming that he didn't do anything. Yep. And it's like, this is a crime and punishment reference for yeah, sure. I think so. Um, I don't know if he did or didn't do it. I'm just saying either way, this is, the, they're referencing like the setup, like the moment in uh, crime and punishment. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> So when you come outside, there's like a like a dumpster out there, and there's like a a newspaper inside. Ah, yes. Yeah, Did you yeah. read this? So it's it's kind of like a news story. It says the police announced today that Walter Sullivan, who was arrested on the 18th of this month mm. for the brutal murder of Billy Locaine and his sister Miriam, committed suicide in his jail cell earlier in the morning of the 22nd or early in the morning of the 22nd. According to the police statement, Sullivan used a soup spoon to stab himself in the neck, severing his carotid artery. So this is this is someone who really, really, really wanted to kill themselves. Yep. I you don't hear about spoon-related deaths very often. <laughs> so, and just thinking about it is like really yeah, not that's, comfortable. You have to be um, determined to do you, it. If yes, you're use that you have as to be so determined. Yeah. By the time the guard discovered him, Sullivan was dead from blood loss. The spoon buried two inches in his neck. An old schoolmate of Walter Sullivan's from his hometown of Pleasant River said, he didn't look like the type of guy who would kill kids. But I do remember that just before they arrested him, he was blurting out all sorts of strange things like, he's trying to kill me. He's trying to punish me. The monster, the red devil. Forgive me, I I did it, but it wasn't me. The schoolmate then added, I guess now that I think of it, he was kind of (laughs) crazy. I laughed laughed at that part too. He didn't strike me as the kind of guy that was doing that. Now that I think about it. Now that I think about it. Yeah, on second thought. So this newspaper was in like a a trash bag that was stuck in like a a garbage chute, right? And we have to kind of like dislodge it and like get it down. Um, I feel like that's... Interesting there that like this particular news story was uh, buried or something. was stuck. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't processed. It was it was stuck in a place and it needed to be kind of put out into the open in order mm. to be seen. I don't know. There's something interesting there. 
Um, oh, that's another crime and punishment reference, by the way. It's just two back to back. They have to be related, especially since the devs said that they base some of the story on that. Um, the, uh, the way that Walter acted after killing the person. He talked about how the red devil was trying to kill him and, na- and that even though he did it, he says it wasn't him. Yes. So I, it, I, it was me, but it wasn't me. Yeah. And then he says, I Forgive did it, me. but it wasn't me. I did yeah. it, but it wasn't me. Yeah. So it's like, and I get what he's saying there. I can, I can easily, you know, psychologically right. get what he's trying to Parse say. It, yeah. uh, but this is for sure, like the, the type of anguish after having committed murder is like crime and punishment. Yeah. Right there. Um, okay. So then James comes up to like a, a fire escape exit in the building, but there yeah. is no fire escape. He's, he wonders maybe if it was, uh, yeah. broken when they built the building next door. So because they're like th- just a few feet away. Yeah. He's yeah. got to go through the window on the other yes. side. Speaking about wanting to go into places you don't want to go to. Yes. Like think of the places representing that, that right? Want. Yes. Um, a toilet's one. <laughs> so this isn't my story. It's, is a story of, uh, my boss who I work with, um, at my, my full-time job. Um, he was doing a shoot in Hawaii or something like that, mm. and they were up in a in a pretty remote place. Um, they only had porta potties that were in the vicinity, right? As they're okay, doing this yeah. all day shoot for some kind of exercise video, they mm-hmm. had these people mic'd up, um, and one of the it was the brand new mics that they had bought and everything. One of the girls was in the porta potty and dropped the mic inside, <laughs> and he said. No, there's nothing. The, the, the expense <laughs> of the equipment yeah. is, is not enough to motivate me to go digging through there to get it back. I'll just buy another one, right? It's like six, so, 600 bucks. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's not yeah. Uh, an inexpensive piece of equipment. If that's, I mean, how much money would you be motivated, would be enough to motivate you to go scrummaging through, through a porta potty or through a toilet like this to get something? It, it takes... I think pretty significant motivation, right? Yeah. I don't even know what dollar amount I would have to put on that. That's a hard one. I don't know. There is a dollar amount, but <laughs> I don't know what it would be. It is there. And but, the, yeah. the dumb thing is, if you just think about this, if you try to be rational about this, it's not that big of a deal to reach in there really, and it, pull out yeah. money. Like, but I, it's some, the thought. Exactly. It's the psychological. And then you're going to, you're going to dream about that for the rest of your life. You are going to dream about being, uh, this reminds me, did did you ever see Slumdog Millionaire? Yes. Okay. It was probably some famous uh, Indian actor, but there was this um, picture, this autographed, this signed photo that he had that he dropped or somebody dropped it into the porta potty and he dives in. He goes goes all the way in. And that thing was worth, I don't know how much it was worth to him, but uh, whatever that dollar amount is. uh, Not enough. Not enough. (laughs) Not enough to go all the way because we're not even talking just reaching your hand. We're talking right. full on. Right. Um, that's just crazy. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. So again, this shows like the depth of, of motivation that James has. Like, <laughs> I mean, on top of putting his life and limb at risk, on top of mm-hmm. all the horrors that he's seen, on top of like the, the, the I guess, the, the amount of time and energy that has to be put into searching for something he knows he he thinks that he knows is not there yeah he's still motivated enough <laughs> to do these that's things a good point yeah that's so a good point. it leads me again to just have a little bit of suspicion about is this really just about 
you know, uh, Mary, or? is it really just about that or is it something else? Is it something a little bit deeper? Well, that's a good that? question. I so. would just say, how did he know to look in the toilet in the first place? I would tear a whole building down, you know, brick by brick before I put my hand in the toilet, before I even thought that maybe I should put my hand in the toilet to find whatever might be hidden down there. Yeah. So anyways, he's got uh, interesting intuitions. Um, okay. So we'll just leave it off there for this episode. Um, we'll continue on next episode. We'll get up to the point where we said at the beginning of this one, which is where, uh, the elevator, the elevator that Maria is trying to get into. And it's like closing. Okay. We'll, we'll get up to that point. Um, okay. We'll see you guys next time. Peace out.